Welcome to the Brazil Church of the Nazarene. This is the sermon from Sunday, March 10th, 2019, and is the first message in Pastor Marlon Betts' Lent series based on the devotional book called For God So Loved. Today, Pastor looks at Jesus' wilderness journey from Luke chapter 4 and tells us what resources we can find on our own spiritual journey through the 40 days of Lent this year. Let's listen to Pastor's message. From his very first step toward the cross to his final hours, Christ invites you to witness God's great work of redemption. Rediscover and remember why we undertake this pilgrimage year after year. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 the crosses. It reminds us that this is Lent. And Lent, uh, uh, somebody had told me that this church has not been real big on Lent until I came. So if this has been something new for you, I'm glad that uh, we've been able to talk about it. This is our fifth season of Lent since I've been here as pastor. And I, I enjoy it. Um, it. wasn't something I practiced and knew about growing up either. But um, when I got down south in Louisiana, and they started talking about Mardi Gras and having all that emphasis, and then I did some research and figured out Mardi Gras and Lent, and Lent's been a Christian holiday for hundreds of years, and many churches have just ignored it, and um, I guess, but uh, you don't ignore it when you're in the south. And uh, I got to understanding what Mardi Gras was and then what Lent was. And so I started instituting the Lent. Forget Mardi Gras. Focus on Lent. Um, Because it's a time for everybody to just begin to think about their life and their relationship with Christ. Gives us anything that we can do to get closer to Christ. I want to use it. And Lent will help you to do that. And so different ones of you are... Stepping up and, and trying that, maybe for the first time in your uh, experience as a Christian. Uh, teens and children can get involved as well. What can I give up that I love in order to show Jesus I love him more? And in doing so, you're stretching out a little bit and denying yourself, which is a good Christian principle to begin to work on. And uh, discipline is important. And growing in Christ because of it. And we're going to look at that this morning. It's all part of this first sermon in our Lent series, For God So Loved. As we look at uh, Luke chapter 4, if you read in your devotional, you read this this morning, uh, this passage. Let's stand together, Luke chapter 4, 1 through 13. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Spirit is mentioned twice in that verse. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days Jesus ate nothing, and afterward when they had ended, he was hungry. Duh. The physician wrote this. He figured out after 40 days you're probably hungry. And the devil said to Jesus... 
If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking Jesus up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world at a moment of time. The devil said to Jesus, All this authority I will give you, and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. The devil brought Jesus to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of a temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. The picture is there's probably a lot of people down there coming to worship at the temple and to see this uh, event take place, this miracle of the angels coming to his rescue would have been quite an awe-inspiring thing for them. So that's what he's talking about. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. So the angels would swoop down and grab him, and all the people would go, wow, this is a special guy. And Jesus answered and said to the devil, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. Lord, we just ask again that you would speak to us today. Help us to understand this truth and uh, help us to get closer to you and Lord, if someone is feeling like they're out in the wilderness being tempted and harassed by the enemy, we pray today that they will find strength in Jesus and become stronger. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So if you lost an hour of sleep and you need to nod off a little bit this morning, I understand because if I nod off up here, somebody wake me, all right? There's two types of people, perhaps, in the world. There's many that you could say two types, but this is particular. And so we're going to give you a chance to choose which one you are. Um, it, there's the, the wilderness person and uh, the city person, right? Okay, so if you like to go out into nature, camping, hiking, hunting, fishing, exploring, you like to smell like wood smoke, uh, you conquer a new trail, see something new, live briefly without all the comforts of home, raise your hand. All right. Well, the rest of you are going to end up in the other category then. If you think the wilderness should be observed from behind a glass window of a comfy hotel room, you don't want to worry about bug spray, poison ivy, snakes, or cooking over an open fire, raise your hand. A bunch of you aren't raising your hand on either one. You're somewhere in between. Okay, outdoor people. Hotel people. There we go. Now, now we're getting, all right. Okay, so you got yourself, and you're married to the opposite, right? Many times that's the case. Well, I grew up in a camping family, and I don't know if Debbie brought a picture or not. 
You didn't do it. Okay, she thought about going back and pulling out a picture of us when we used to camp. Um, I grew up in a camping family, and so we passed on that tradition to our girls when they were growing up. We have many memories camping in the tent. It seemed like when you're tenting, the monsoon rains always hit. Intense leak, especially if you touch them. Wherever you touch a tent to push the water out, that's where it'll drip. It's a guarantee. Yeah, and children are always doing that. You're right. And, um, yeah, and, and where you p- put your tent in that flat area is a flood zone. It's just part of it, you know. It's just part of it. We, uh, we spent the night in the girls' restroom. <laughs> One place. They, they, we had tented, and, and they actually had heated restrooms and out of the rain. And so here's all of us huddled around on the floor with our dog in the girls' restroom all night long because everybody else in their comfy RVs and whatever the case may be, and they didn't need the restroom anyway. And we played games on the floor of the restroom because there's no chairs or anything in there. Anyway, memories we will never forget. So I prefer now cabins in the woods instead of the old tenting tradition. Um, furnished cabins. Uh, and my favorite vacation is still to get away from civilization, though. But uh, spend some time in the woods. And, and I've found out through my life that God has always seemed specially near to me when I've gotten away and gotten out there. And uh, just to be able to enjoy his nature seems to bring me closer in my relationship with God. Uh, if you go quietly into the woods and sit down and you may see some creatures that you don't normally see. And uh, if you go out and sit in a boat, you may actually catch some creatures you don't normally see. Things about life come more basic, I guess. Well, wilderness for the Jews, however, would be a different idea, a different image than what we think of when we think of wilderness. The image of a Jewish person wouldn't be of camping, but more of one of journeying. When they got out in the wilderness, they usually were journeying through the wilderness, not living there. It wouldn't uh, be looking out a picture window uh, in a mountain cabin. It would be more like looking out of tent flaps as they made their way. For them, the idea of wilderness would bring up images of Moses and the Exodus. That would be a lot of wilderness for them. And as God's people traveled from Egypt to the Canaan land, the wilderness became a place of many different things. Refuge, calling, of provision, and of temptation. Those 40 years of temptation and trial of hope and promise are what we see reflected in these 40 days of Jesus' wilderness journey, as we just read about. The wilderness was a time when Jesus found many different things, refuge, calling, temptation, and provision. So as we journey through the 40 days of Lent, not counting the Sundays, um, I hope that you will find the trip spiritually meaningful. The more you participate in this, the more 
you should get out of it. The more you enter into the Lenten wilderness, the more you will have spiritually grown when these 40 days are done and you arrive at Easter Sunday ready to really celebrate the risen Lord because you've gone down the way of the cross. In my version devotions that I'm reading during the Lent season, they're taking us from Palm Sunday all the way to the cross a day at a time. And it's really just nothing but scripture, which has been really kind of good for me to be on that journey. And the interesting thing was they give you Sundays off, as I found out this Sunday. There's no scripture for today on that journey. Um, but there's other scriptures we can read using our devotional book. Um, so anyway, these are some of the things that Jesus experienced and the Old Testament uh, people experienced in the wilderness. First one is wilderness refuge. Wilderness refuge. Now Moses was led into the wilderness after killing the Egyptian who was beating up a Hebrew slave. The wilderness for Moses became a place of refuge. He fled to get away because they were coming to arrest him. I guess what we would call it. Instead of the Egyptian palace that he had lived in for the first 40 years of his life, he lived in a tent and took care of sheep for the next 40 years. A refuge from Egypt. And 40 years after he got to this wilderness experience of living in a tent and taking care of sheep, the wilderness became once again a place of refuge, not just for Moses. He went back and led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And so for the Hebrew people who fled the oppression of the slavery of the Egyptians, while heading for the promised land, the wilderness became a place of refuge for them. In our passage today, chapter 3 of Luke talked about John the Baptist, who was described as a wild man who lived in the wilderness. John was the one who came to prepare the way for the Messiah. And he came out of the wilderness, wearing special clothes and eating weird food. And he looked different, he acted different, he smelt different, he was a wilderness guy. And so the image of what he was preaching was of making crooked paths straight, preparing the way for the Lord. Wilderness then is not something to be avoided, but rather something that Christ entered into. He came to straighten out a crooked world. He came from the palace into the wilderness. John prepared the way. He began to walk the path. Wilderness is not just a place of barrenness. It's also a place of promise. Good things would come to those who followed Christ. Follow him. I'm unworthy, but he is worthy. In verse 1, according to verse 1, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. So Jesus entered into the wilderness in the company of the, of the Trinity. He never entered it alone. And when you're in your wilderness, you're not alone. When the experience happens to you and you feel like you don't want to be here, but this is where you have to go, remember that God is with you. 
And while there, Jesus fasted for 40 days. And Moses fasted for 40 days in Deuteronomy 9.9. But as he prepared for a revelation of God to be given him out on Mount Sinai and ended up being written by the finger of God on stone tablets, this revelation to carry back to the people. Special events, 40-day fast. So fasting in the Old Testament is often preparation for a divine revelation, a movement of God, something new beginning to happen in your life. And the fasting of Moses and Jesus parallel each other in such a way that it is clear that this was a time of preparation for divine revelation, for a new beginning in the life of Christ. And we too can find refuge in the wilderness experiences. Lent is a time of fasting. The more that you and I strip away from the influences of the world, the demands of our stomachs, or of our self-centered idols and interests that control so much of our time, the more we can say no and buy back some time and some energy and some focus for the things of God, then the more God will reveal himself to us in a fresh way. And that is the purpose of Lent. Deny some things in order to grab a hold of more of God's things, more of a relationship with him. Where does the Spirit of God want to lead you during Lent? What if he wants to lead you into some wild places of your life and begin to show you some things that you need to tame up, you need to make better, that you need to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Some of you are giving away some very vital parts of your life in your fasting, things that have been in control of you for a number of years. And now you're saying, I release control to Jesus Christ. I bring them to the foot of the cross. I lay them down. If it means I can have a stronger relationship, with God. You will probably fail somewhere along the journey. Maybe that bad habit will spring back up. Maybe you'll be out to eat and get that dessert anyway. I don't know. The, the whole idea is not whether you fail or not. The idea is whether you grow in Christ or not. Because we can always start again another day. So if you happen to trip up and the old habit comes back and you eat chocolate before Easter chocolate bunny, it's okay. The whole idea is to get alone and closer with God. That's the purpose. Not just to, well, I failed. I'll give up on this Christianity. No, don't do that. It's the same way in our Christian walk. So if you feel like you're out there, and all oh, devil will say, just forget it. You, you failed. He'll, he'll try to make you fail. That's not what's so important. The important part is, are you growing? Are you grabbing a hold of God in this wilderness time? Um, so while we often resist these places in our lives that the Spirit is pointing us to, where he says, work on this, drop that off, uh, start doing this. 
we can resist that, but if we fully enter into it, it can become a time of refuge. It can be time, become a time of spiritual reformation. It can become a time of growth. And that's what you're trying to do through Lent. So as we participate these 40 days, our days of refuge and reformation and growth, a time to remove ourselves from the chaos of the world and prepare ourselves for new divine revelation in our lives. Easter means more when you've been to the wilderness. Second part is the wilderness calling. Not just refuge, but the wilderness calling. Because Moses lived in the wilderness for 40 years, tending sheep, until the day he saw a burning bush. Suddenly the wilderness became a place of calling for him. A place where God spoke. And now he had a choice to make. Whether or not to answer God's call. If he did at 80 years of old age, it would be a new and harder ministry than what he had been doing. Leading sheep. Raising a family. But now he would have to go back to the place that he feared. And face 40 years later the ones who wanted him dead. And this time come and confront them in the name of God. And say, let my people go. Knowing that they would be against him from the beginning. So he had a different ministry. And he could choose to accept this call of God or to say no. He chose to go. And within the context of Luke's entire chapter here, it is apparent that Jesus was being led into public ministry through this time in the wilderness. This was the time of examination. This was a time of commitment. This was a time of saying, no, I'm not going to take the easier route, devil. I'm going to take the way God has asked me to go. The hard way. And so after he came out of the wilderness, he declared that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to preach the gospel, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to bring sight to the blind. Reading from Isaiah, to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord, verse 18, here in this chapter. God was calling him out, and he began his ministry. What is God calling you to do? In his kingdom today. In the midst of these three temptations Jesus faced. Who Jesus was. Whom he was to rely on. These things were being reconfirmed in his life. He had to rely on God. God's word was more important than physical bread. God alone was to be worshipped no matter what the devil promised. And in the third temptation he would not give in to spectacular rescues by angels just to prove he was God. No, he would go the route of the cross. If that's where God needed him to go, he would go even to the death. The death of the cross. He was settling the issue there in the wilderness. Interestingly enough, he settled it again right before the cross, the night before in Gethsemane. Lord, not my will. But your will be done. In the wilderness, he settled the issue with the devil. In Gethsemane, he settled the issue with his heavenly father. I will not take the easy way, but I will follow the cross. I will follow the calling. I will do what God has told me to do. This is the plan and purpose for my life. In the wilderness, Jesus never 
denied that he was the Son of God. Rather, he reiterated that he was the humble servant devoted to the worship and service of God. It is declared, God alone is God and him only shall you serve. That was his calling to serve God. And he would obey. He established that there in the wilderness one more time. We also can find our call in the wilderness of life. We are brought back to images of Moses being called to free the children of Israel. As we see Jesus called into the desert by the Holy Spirit. It was a time of change. It was God's calling to a new ministry. It was the beginning of, yes, a lot of hard work, a lot of struggles, but ultimately victories. They were victorious. And God's call always means change. That's why we instinctively resist the burning bushes in our life and being led out into the wilderness. Because status quo is more comfortable, more familiar. But the Christian life is one of growth. It's one of change. To stay the same is stagnation. To stay the same is slow death. Even for the Christian, you don't want to get stagnant. You don't want to slowly die in your relationship with God. You want it to grow. And Lent reminds us that it's time to grow. It's time to make changes. It's time to do something new in your own spiritual life. And then into ministry. And I'm so proud of one of our Quest teams that have already been active now for a couple of weeks. Thank God. New things have started, and we want to do more of that. Another group's meeting, I think, today. Another group's meeting in a couple of weeks. Why? We want to start something new. We want to minister. No, it's not easy, but it's God's call to all of us. Amen. Go out into the wilderness. Because that's where the wilderness people are. And bring them back with you. God's call means change. And in this season of Lent, we should prepare ourselves to hear the call of God. What is he calling us to these 40 days? See, God may be calling you to speak freedom to someone else, like Moses did. Freedom. The chains of Egypt are no longer yours. Glorious freedom, no more in chains of sin. Do you have to stay? You can be set free. He's the chain breaker. People need their chains broken today. During these 40 days, may, maybe God's calling you to trust the Holy Spirit and leading you into a new purpose. Though it might not be through a burning bush or through days of temptation, be open to where his calling might happen in the midst of these days and respond to his call of a change with a committed, yes, I will mind God. I will go. I will do. I will be. What God wants me to be. Refuge and calling. What else can we find in the wilderness? Well, the most obvious one is temptation. In fact, we call this Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. That's mainly what this passage is usually preached about. And the three temptations and all that emphasis. 
first Adam, second Adam. There's a whole lot of theological significance here. But while traveling through the wilderness, around every turn in the road, the children of Israel were tempted. Tempted to forsake God, who was performing miracles before them. Tempted to grumble. Tempted to to complain. Someone was mentioning here, they they left Egypt when the, the fertile Nile Delta where the waters of the Nile flooded and it was green and it was, and now they're wandering through a desert. <laughs> Sometimes they forgot. Well, they'd all been born and raised 400 years there, so none of them knew the promised land. All they knew was Egypt. So they were tempted to forsake God and grumble and complain, and they, while they were on the, the journey, they erected a statue to to worship this golden calf that supposedly miraculously came out of the fire. Yeah, right. Aaron made that golden calf. And they worshipped it. They grumbled about the food, which they didn't even have to cook. They complained about the water, which God had followed them through the desert. I mean... They got tired of their shoes because they lasted for 40 years and they wanted a new style. I mean, they complained about everything. Grumbled and griped and growled and grouched. Ultimately, when they were told to take the promised land, they fell into temptation. They did not trust God. And they were forced by their refusal to mind God to wander in the desert for 40 long years. When they could have been in Canaan. Jesus was tempted also in the wilderness. But he didn't fail like the children of Israel did. Temptation might be the most obvious role of the wilderness. Jesus was there for the purpose of being tempted. And Satan waited until the 40 days were up. He waited until he was the most vulnerable, the most worn down, the tiredest, the weakest. Jesus was tempted to meet immediate felt needs on his own and in his own way by turning stones to bread. But he understood that there is more to life than just food. And that's why fasting food is one of the things that we need to do as Americans today. Because we don't know how to say no to our cravings. If we learn to say no, it's easier to say yes. Jesus was tempted to succumb to celebrity and authority. I will make you leader over all these nations. But Jesus understood that God alone is the one who deserves all the glory and the honor and the praise. Worship the Lord and and him only you shall serve. Jesus was tempted to succumb to power, to do the miraculous to send angels to save him. But, but he understood that we should not test God, but instead should trust in the power of God instead of depending on our own power and our ability to woo, 
Have angels come down, swoop up and grab us, right? Oh, boy. No. What's your will, Lord? How do you want us to get through this, Lord? Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Not always in the miraculous, but sometimes just in the steady plotting, Lord. Help me to get through these 40 days and serve you better. Help me, Lord, through this wilderness to learn what I need to learn. We, too, face temptation in the wilderness. Perhaps the Christian's greatest temptation is of taking the easier path rather than the route of personal discipline and spiritual growth. Satan was offering Jesus an easier path to leadership. Use your power to be spectacular and people will follow you. But Jesus chose the disciplined route, the way without compromise, the way of the cross. Honestly, you can be a Christian and not fast through Lent. That's the easier path many may choose to take. Some don't want to deal with the issue of self-denial or a commitment to a personal time of spiritual growth. But Lent is a season of facing things that tempt us. Lent helps us to face temptations through spiritual discipline, fasting from things we enjoy in order to have a greater, deeper purpose, and that is get closer to Jesus. Think about it. If you gain a victory over a sin, is the fasting worth it? If you can gain victory over a sin in your life, wow. If we can learn to resist a certain temptation that's been bothering us and bothering us and bothering us, isn't the fasting worth it? If we can learn to discipline a craving, the fasting is worth it. Fasting things like sweets or caffeine or TV or social media or video games can help us to understand our propensity to remain at status quo and be the same every day of our life. But during this period of life, God, you're more important. And so I'll give up this thing that I love. This thing that I say I can't live without it. In order to let you know, God, that for 40 days I can give up anything because you gave up three and a half years. Actually, it was 33 and a half years to come to this wilderness to die on the cross for me. For many, it is easier to yield to temptation and just continue to do that particular issue and problem. That's just the way I am. I can't help it. It's easier to just do that than to trust God to make a change in your life as you struggle through this temptation and come through victorious. We have too many people today that say, I can't change. Lent is telling us you can you can change with God's help. We can learn to stand firm against temptation through the power of Christ. We're all tempted, but we have to be victorious. We're tempted to sleep in. Got an amen? We're tempted to drink that other... We're tempted to take that extra dessert. We're tempted to 
all through our life. And we a lot of times have not been taught to discipline and say no. And Lent is saying, you can say no. You are stronger than that. So I'll turn sideways and see how often we resist temptation. It's a struggle today. But if it was just the physical, I wouldn't be so concerned as when it becomes spiritual. Well, I've done that many times before. I guess I'll just do it one more time. Then I'll quit. It's time, folks, to break some of those habits and resist the tempter and start some new habits. Amen? We can do this. You can do it. And one of the ways that we do it is the way Jesus did it. Through the knowledge of Scripture. You need to get a verse of Scripture so that when you're tempted to do that thing again, you'll say, wait a minute, devil, this is what God's Word says about that. Maybe your verse of Scripture should be, touch not the unclean thing. Amen? If you're struggling with pornography, you need to claim that verse every time it comes up to your mind. And you say, touch not the unclean thing. I'm not going to go there. Whatever you're struggling with, get a verse. Claim it. Read it. Memorize it. I will set no evil thing before my eyes. My mind is not the devil's workshop. My hands aren't supposed to go. My feet are not supposed to go. I'm not supposed to do that. And the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. Jesus knew the scriptures and he used those verses to stand against the temptations the devil threw at him. The devil himself. So have your Bible verse ready for the next time your old temptation rears its ugly head. In fact, today, I know you want to take a nap to catch up, but sometime today, get your Bible out. Figure out what your temptation is. Name your temptation. Write it down and find a verse. whole list of verses. You can Google them. <laughs> verses against this temptation. Put in the, and they'll probably give you a hundred. We have the resources before us. And pick one and memorize it and use it. And during these 40 days, conquer your temptation. <laughs> Through the power of Jesus Christ... And his word shall not return void.
wilderness refuge, wilderness calling, wilderness temptation, wilderness provisions, number four. While Moses and the Jewish people were heading from Egypt to the promised land, it was in the wilderness that God spoke again to his people. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He called his people to become a people of covenant relationship with him through one another, taught them the, um, the tabernacle system. He, he taught them the, the sacrificial system. He, he taught them the covenant. He taught them the blessings and the cursings. If you will serve me, I will bless you and make you a blessing. And then they had that relationship with him, with one another, his presence with them. The wilderness also became a place where the children of Israel were fed manna and quail, where water poured out of rocks, where sandals didn't wear out. They learned that God would constantly provide for their needs, even in the desert. And you start giving up your temptations and saying no to the sins in your life and straighten it out and begin to walk the way God has called you to walk, God will provide. Amen. He will provide for you. The devil is lying and saying, you can't break this habit. I tell you, he's wrong. He's wrong. He's a liar. In the wilderness temptations of Jesus, the gospel of Matthew, in chapter 4, verse 11, says something that Luke does not say. It says that the angels came and tended to Jesus after the devil left. When he, when he got clear through, the last verse says, and the angels came and looked it up and tended to Jesus. They gave him the provisions he needed. They encouraged him. They strengthened him. They helped him. In the midst of the wilderness, after 40 days of fasting and temptation, his needs were met. This compares to the needs of the children of Israel in the wilderness. They did not need to leave the wilderness to be cared for. God cared for them in the midst of their wilderness. He helped them through the journey. You start giving something up for God, and he's going to give you something to replace it, and it will be better than what you lost every time. Give up chocolate, and he'll give you spinach. And kale. It's a tough life at our house. The darker the lettuce, the better it is for you, and the bitter it tastes. Praise the Lord. I got lost. Edit that from the video. I'm out in the wilderness. The Holy Spirit continued to be present with Jesus through the wilderness. Jesus was given strength and words of Scripture to use in the midst of his temptation. He knew the words to say because he was prepared. And we too find provision in the wilderness. We often think of the wilderness as wasteland. But we're reminded through this text that God does not abandon us even in the middle of our deserts. 
even in the middle of the tough times. When we are faithful to seek after God, we might discover during this season of Lent that God provides for us in ways we don't always recognize in the day-to-day lives. And some of you struggle because you're going this route alone. Your spouse doesn't go with you. Your parents may not go with you. You may be all alone. You may feel that way. But you're not alone. There's a power greater There's a love that's greater. There's an arm that's stronger. And he knows exactly where you're at. And he wants to provide for you. You may think when I'm getting on my knees that I'm getting weaker, but no, that's when I'm getting stronger. As you bow before God and say yes to his will, he will make you stronger. There's more with us than be with them. We're on the winning side. With banners and fur, we'll tell the whole world, Jesus is captain and guide. There's not to fear while he is near. No fierce the conflict may be. We'll never give in the fight against sin. With Christ, there is victory. I can tell you from personal experience that when I was going through the darkest times, God sent the things that we needed. Just when we needed them most. Knock on the door. Here's Rod and Joe with groceries. We had crackers and peanut butter. God knows when to come through for you just in the right time. He knows your address. He knows about you. And he will provide if you stick to the cross and the way of Jesus Christ. He never has failed me yet. I have proven him true. What he says he will do. Jesus never has failed me yet. Wilderness provision is a reality. The wilderness cannot be avoided as much as you might try to get through life without ever having to step foot in the woods. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. But spiritually, sooner or later, you're going to find yourself in the midst of the wild and untamed expanses of life at some time or another. The temptation is to avoid them, 
to view them as places where nothing good can happen, but the wilderness can be a place of growth. It can be a place where we are restored, where we're challenged, where we're called. It can even be a place to see the provisions of God. We like the mountains, but it's in the valleys he restores our soul. It's there he leads us beside the still waters. Amen? Amen. We've got to climb again. That's life. The phrase that we're using for Lent is, for God so loved. For God so loved what? And how did God show his love? He gave. And who's the recipient? Whosoever will. And we live forever. Not only perishing We make it through this life, but we also have everlasting life. And God so loved applies to the wilderness. The fact that Jesus came to our wilderness to bring us salvation and eternal life speaks volumes about how much God loves even you today. And as God's people, let's walk into this time of Lenten wilderness with the expectation that God is going to walk with us through it all. The journey is going to make us into better Christians. And we will arrive at Easter better than before. The fire of God burning hot in our hearts. Why? Because we surrendered some things, put aside some things, and focused on what we needed to focus on. Amen. It's not going to be easy because the devil is going to fight you every step of the way. Because he doesn't want you to have this victory. But greater is he that is in you than he that's out there in the world, and he will help you. So get up in the morning and say, God, there's another day that I'm going to give to you, and today I promise I'm going to do my best not to touch this, not to go there, not to be this way. Get rid of this attitude, help me with this, and Lord, together, you and I, we're going to make it through one more day. And the next day you get up and say, God, Thank you for helping me yesterday. Today is another day. I'm going to serve you, you and me, God. We're going to be (laughs) two peas in a pod. You and me, God, like this. We're going to do this. Nano, nano. That was dumb. This journey is going to make us into better Christians. We're going to arrive at Easter better than before. The fire of God burning hot in our hearts. This wilderness can be your time of refuge. To get alone with God. How is God trying to form you into a better representation of Christ? This wilderness can be your time of calling. What is God speaking to you about? What does he want you to start doing? Stop doing. What new level of discipleship is God calling you to reach? What ministry is God asking you to get involved in? The wilderness can be your time of overcoming temptation. What are your areas of weakness? Where in the scripture do you need to have memorized this passage in order to be ready to stand up against that temptation? Amen. We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You better have a word. 
I think I've emphasized that enough. The wilderness can be your time of provision. As you fast and set aside more time for God, how is God providing for your physical, emotional, and spiritual needs? How is God providing for your family, your church, your community? Because you are making the effort, what is God doing through you to help others? Don't ignore the wilderness. Allow the wilderness experience to grow you spiritually. This is where God calls us. This is where we are. This is where we have to go through. And God help us to get to the other side. The more you live in the wilderness, the more you will experience the resurrection. The victory that comes when God is exalted. He is exalted. The king is exalted on high. I will praise him. It's family altar time. God's been talking to us this this morning, hasn't he? Talking to us. How are we going to respond? As the praise team comes and gets ready to sing, as you begin to say yes to Jesus, right now in your heart, you already know, I'm going to respond. So let's respond. Let's come and pray about it. Let's give it to the Lord. Let's allow him to pour his life into ours, making us better, stronger, wiser, deeper, higher. Amen. In the things of God. That's all we're talking about. Something positive is going to happen to you today if you pray. If you pray. Let's stand. Let's come and pray. Let's mind the Lord. struggle as Christians sometimes admitting that we have wildernesses and temptations and problems. That's okay. God knows, you know, deal with it. But this morning I'd like to call Christians in to pray because somebody you know is struggling. Why don't we pray for them? Amen. Somebody is struggling with temptation today, you know who they are. 
pray victory down on them. Help them to get through this wilderness in their life. Somebody's having a tough time. They're dealing with grief. They're dealing with heartaches. They're dealing with whatever it is. Family altar time, we just need to lift them up. Will you come and join me and pray here for people that you know that need to let Jesus have their own way in their heart and life? As we sing another verse, just come and respond. Have that own way, Lord. Have that own way. Bring your loved ones to the Lord today. Pray for them. Help them to get victory. Pray them through to victory if you can. We need victory in our family, in our church, in our homes, in our community. People need to learn to struggle and overcome their temptations and their sins. And the place to begin is prayer. Let's sing it again. Let's mind the Lord. we bow before you today, the church on its knees, bowing our heads, our hearts before you, pouring out to you, Lord, the things that we know and we see around us in a world that's full of wickedness. We could start in Washington, D.C. and work our way through this country, knowing, Lord, that there's people that need a touch from God, that have yielded to temptation, that are committing lives of sin today, and there are people that are in our own families. And so today, as Christians, we're pouring out our hearts to you, asking you, Lord, to break the chains of sin and break, Lord, the bondages to temptation and help us to be set free. And all over this town, we pray for freedom. We pray for chains to fall off. We're praying for walls to come down. We're praying for victory to begin. We're praying, Lord, for Jesus to be set free in our midst until people will say, God is moving. God is moving. Lord, take away the desire for sin. Make it when they go to do that temptation and when they go to do that sin that it'll turn sour, that it will be, Lord, void, that it will be an emptiness, that it will not thrill them anymore, that it will not satisfy, that it'll be nothing, Lord, but dust and ashes, that they will taste and see that it is not good, that they will know that it is not satisfying, that they will say, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to go there anymore. I don't want to be with those people anymore. Lord, we pray that you'll break the chains of sin in our community, in our families, in our homes. Lord, start something fresh, something new. Make it begin to happen in their lives and hearts, we pray. We're asking in the name of Jesus, we plead the power of the blood of Jesus. We're praying, Lord, you'll set people free. Set them free to Today. Lord, we pray that as we name their names all across this platform and in, this, in these seats, Lord, and at this altar, that you, Lord, will set them free. 
and create, Lord, a sense of feeling of I don't have to do that. I don't have to go there. I'm different by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And help them to come to an altar of prayer and surrender to Jesus Christ today. We're claiming that. We're believing it. Lord, we're praying for miracles today. We're praying for spiritual new beginnings. We're praying, Lord, for the devil to be defeated. And Lord, may the chains drop. Oh, God, may they drop off. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And we pray it, Lord, believing because you, Lord, are hearing our prayer today. We're united, two and three, in your name. We plead the blood. We're believing in you, God. Do the work. Jesus' name we pray. And may the wilderness become a place of rejoicing. May the path that's crooked become straight. May there be a highway built up in the desert, a place, a highway of holiness leading straight to Jesus Christ. And may they get on that highway and never fall off again. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Praise the Lord. Now, Lord, we want to thank you for our time of prayer. And you know, Lord, the other needs that are on our hearts. And we thank you for those that are responding today. And I pray, Lord, that you would just help us all to see that this is not a negative. This is a positive in our lives. We pray for that child, that teenager, that adult today that's struggling on this path alone. Make them strong in Jesus. Make them strong in you. Be with that single mother raising her children. Oh God, help her to be strong in you. Be with that child. Help them to be strong in you today, Lord. Because they are a child of the king. They're a child of the king. They're a child of the king today. Help them to realize that, that they're born to a higher place. And Lord, you've called them out of this world. Lord, we pray for that one that you've been calling into a new ministry. Help them, Lord, to follow that leadership. Be with that one that you've been telling them they need to talk to somebody. Lord, help them to talk. Share Jesus. We pray for that one that's struggling with relationships or with finances, with whatever it is. Help them, Lord, to leave it at your feet and allow you to show them the way out. Lord, help us, Lord, to put Jesus first. Because if we lift you up, if we seek first the kingdom of God, then the other things will fall into place. That's the promise. You said, lo, you'll be with us always, even to the end. That person on the end of the rope, help him to tie a knot on it right now and hold on a little bit longer because God's got a victory for him. God, you're a God of victory. You've never been defeated. (laughs) You're not going to start now. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Be in our worship time together now as we worship you. You deserve it. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're looking for a church in the Brazil, Indiana area, the Brazil Church of the Nazarene invites you to join us as we seek Him, celebrate Him, and serve Him. Sunday morning, we have Sunday school at 9 a.m. and worship at 10 a.m. During worship, we have We Worship for preschool-aged kids and a children's church for elementary-aged kids. For this information, news, a schedule of events, and more, please visit us online at brazilnaz.com. That's B-R-A-Z-I-L-N-A-Z dot com. Or visit us in person at 1002 East National Avenue in Brazil. Thank you and God bless.